Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is uh, 5-3-2023. We are moving forward. 5-3-2023 and we're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time we have this evening. We thank you for life, health, and strength. And we pray, Father, as we come this evening for uh, our hearts, our totally focused on some of our loved ones who are sick among us. Uh, Father, we lift up Bill uh, for his back, Dave as well for his back, and also for his daughter, Sharice, who just we just learned is in the hospital. Well, we pray for Mike, Father, and you know exactly what is going on with Mike and his family as well as they continue to recover from surgery. Uh, <clears throat> we pray for the Haddon family, and uh, Lord, you know the details, <coughs> Kenny Sr., Kenny Jr., and Christina, and we pray for Gail in particular. Uh, so we pray for every person on this call and the families that are represented uh, who we may not have mentioned their names, but Father, you know the hearts of every everyone, and and our prayers are asking for healing and comfort and well-being for each and every person. So, <clears throat> Father, we pray as we begin our study that uh, you would help us to focus our attention on the wisdom that was destined for our glory before time began. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Excuse me. All right, so we have been, uh, as you know, our focus has been in Romans chapter 12. We're in verse 5, and <clears throat> we should have some time for Q&A, so hold your questions, uh, and hopefully we'll get right to it. <clears throat> so Romans 12, 5, let's get in it. So in Christ... We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. <clears throat> As we look through the biblical analogies, we are left with profound spiritual communications. Quote, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, <clears throat> explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Unquote. That's 1 Corinthians 2.13. Allowing the Spirit to teach us through His Word is the highest form of divine communication available to us. What has God made of us? Who are we? Why are we here now? These are all things we should come to learn from the Spirit of Truth. <clears throat> so, my focus on obviously is whatever God is showing us in these in the text that is before us but <clears throat> it is to bring and and try to express what is uh, prominent in the mind of God what is God thinking what is his plan we need to focus our attention because <clears throat> when we don't focus we stay in the land of general and so we're going to do our best to make sure we know what is the focus, what, what is the direction that we should be going in. Now, it, <clears throat> it doesn't mean we will go in that direction, or you personally. It only says we need to know what the direction is, so that if we want to walk in truth, we can walk in truth. We know what truth is. So uh, the, the goal is that you would walk in truth. That is my will and prayer for every one of you, and that is the goal. But we know we all have free will, don't we? So we're going to get into this. And uh, let's go to point number one, so in Christ. <clears throat> so the first thought is so, that word so. In this way, it means in this way. 
referring to what precedes or follows. After that, after, in this manner, as even so, for all that, likewise, uh, or more on this fashion. So <clears throat> there's more that could be said, but ways that this word is used in the Bible. And it is another connective word that the Apostle Paul uses to tie the context together. So in our particular context, we, we, uh, it's appropriate because he drew an analogy in verse 4, which says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. And we covered that last, last week. So we should expect so here, or in this way, because we know we're referring to completing uh, the analogy from the physical to the spiritual communication that is uh, going to be leveled on us. So that's what's important. Point B, in drawing this analogy... <clears throat> we can easily see the pivot where we are expected to make the connection in the analogy to the body of Christ. And if I look at a couple of verses here, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. So I might, I, I, what I used to say was, keep your finger on 1 Corinthians 12 while we're looking at Galatians, right? Because we're going to flip back and forth. That's the old days. We're in... We're all digital now. <laughs> That's not true. Maybe there are some people listening to us that are not. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its, all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. <clears throat> so this verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, is an important verse. I hope you have that marked in your memory. Because this, if someone say, says to you, how do you get into the body of Christ? How does one get into the body of Christ? This is the answer right here. We're baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. <clears throat> That's how we get into the body of Christ. We're baptized into the body of Christ. And what does that make us? One. And he's going to talk about it as it relates to spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, but, but we know there are other ways to think about that being in Christ. <clears throat> we'll get more to that later. Point C, we are not to get hung up on the analogy, but we are to allow the point of it to remain in our hearts. And this is <clears throat> where I think a lot of times people don't, I don't know what it is to say, cherish, when God shows them truth, if God shows you truth, and really, I guess it would have to do with your motivation, right? If God shows you truth and then you don't remember what that was, I guess it, that would speak to your motivation, what's important to you, you know? And <clears throat> I know we could all say, oh, I don't have a good memory, but we can't really say that when God the Holy Spirit is teaching us. It says that he would also bring back to our, to our memories things that we would need when we need them. So we really can't claim that we don't have a good memory because we have the aid of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at a couple of these. Luke 2, 19 and 51. Let's look at that. Let's see why I use that. Luke 2, 19 and 51. 2, 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So notice what it says. She treasured all these things. And you know what these things are. Uh, these are the events that happened in her life. So it wasn't that these things happened and she just sort of, yeah, that was a coincidence. Yeah, that, that was a coincidence. Oh, I, I thought that was interesting when the angel came to me and told me. But as it, they all were related 
incidents and that would contribute to the whole of Mary's thinking. So, so that in 2.19, Mary treasured up all these things. In other words, treasured means they were valuable to her. She saw them as pearls that needed to be guarded in her heart. She pondered them in her heart. She gave thought to them. And you know, when you get God's truth and you tuck it into your heart, it is the breeding ground for more truth. It is the soil that is needed to, to build on that truth. So that's why it's important to do that. And then going down to 51, <clears throat> it's a very another similar statement. It says, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Again, there it is. These events that happened, these things that, that happened with Jesus and you know all the things they were searching for, for Jesus and they found him in the temple courts and sector. So she is relating all of these things as important to who Jesus is. So in her mind, she understands who her son is. She, she, she gets it. And she's relating all of these events. It would be interesting if Mary uh, wrote a book and then we got to see all that she treasured in her heart. And it's important that we do that. We chronicle our spiritual lives. If you're not chronicling it in some way, you won't have a base of understanding of who you are and what you thought or have you progressed in your thought. So it's a good idea to, to have notes and things that you chronicle so that you write down those things that are precious to you. You treasure them as Mary does in her heart. We're going to keep moving. That was point C. <clears throat> point D, God made both the body and the spiritual life. So both of these ana analogies made by God, right? he made our body, and we spoke about that last week. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, says the psalmist. Both are a wonder, but the body of Christ is part of God's eternal purpose. And that's what's important about the understanding we have when it comes to this. <clears throat> He's giving analogies, and these analogies help us to understand from God different aspects. Different analogies bring different aspects of the relationship and the, uh, what God the Father is doing in our lives. So it's important every step of the turn. As we have come to understand the communication. We want to hear from God. Well, now we have the opportunity through these analogies. So it's his eternal purpose. And so that is off the chart in terms of what is treasure. Point E, in Christ. So, so in Christ, right? So it, it, is, it is the new creation. And quote, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. So this verse speaks to what is unique about the person of Christ. Uh, it, it also speaks of, we know, the first Adam was the progenitor of the human race. It wasn't just, he wasn't just, okay, one man out of the many. He was a progenitor. And from him, all men are, are, are coming after that pattern. And so it is with Christ. He is not just some man out of many. He is the progenitor of the, a new creation. And that's who we are in Christ. We are the first to hope in Christ, says Paul in Ephesians 1. We who are the first to hope, have our hope, our confidence in Christ. First generation. And so, <clears throat> just like it says, if anybody's in Christ, well, then that person is a new creation. 
never before seen. Uh, it has come, is here. So God, there was a lot that it took for God to bring the new creation on board. Remember, he hid it within himself. He did not reveal it to anybody. So it had to happen at this point in, in human history. And not only that, that, did it have to happen at that point, but he had to go through the death. Well, first he had to come. Christ had to come. He had to go through the death, burial, and resurrection successfully, and the ascension. Then he sent the Spirit at Pentecost, and that was where we are, what we read earlier, baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. So it is not something, oh, just why didn't he, why didn't we have this before? Well, because all those things had to happen, and God knew the timing. So we're going to keep going. So in Christ, <clears throat> we, though many, form one body. So let's look at the we first. The we is the church. And, and I'm just filling that out by quoting from Ephesians 1.23. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So notice, we're already digging into this analogy and we have already seen different aspects of it here he's in ephesians he's using the body analogy again but he's using it from the standpoint of fullness we are the fullness he's explaining what the church is church assembly of called out people which is his body not just some assembly of called out people a special assembly because not everybody is the body of Christ. And then he describes further what that means, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Point B, test question. A test question, I, I get this from when I was in college. My professor used to help us. He said, look, you know, there's a lot of information here that we're gonna be talking about, a lot of information. But I'm going to help you, he said. If the question or information that I'm talking about is going to be on the test, <laughs> I'm going to put TQ on it. All right, so this is a test question. What does it mean that we are the fullness of him? I'm using that because I want us to focus on the fullness of him. I wish I could stop and ask everyone to tell me what they think that is, but I'm not going to do that at this point. You, if you have more to add when we get to Q&A, you can. But what is the fullness of him? And you may have just read over that and said, oh yeah, that's like a doxology, thank you. No, it's more than that. He's telling you something important there. The fullness of him. And that word, <clears throat> that Greek word, I would hope in your definition, you've used pleroma. And if you, certainly we've talked about that, and I know you have heard it before, and it means to fill up that which is deficient or that which needs to be filled. There's, even if we took deficiency off the table, we're saying that a full cup is better than half a cup. Or if the goal is to fill up the cup, then half the cup recognizes that it's not filled. So Christ is the head. We are the body. We are the church, his body, the fullness of him. So, so we are that part that completes Christ. So without us, Christ is not complete. Now that is with respect to the Father's purpose for Christ. Or we could just say the Father's eternal purpose. We are the fullness of him. Then it goes on, who fills everything in every way. Now, all things is all creation. Christ, well, if you read the verses prior to that, it talks about him being raised higher than principalities, powers, and dominions, and every title that can be named, and so forth. <clears throat> and, and then it talks about he's, and, and, and he's the head of the body, the church, which is his body. And, and there's that analogy again. So we're getting a lot of mileage out of this body analogy. It speaks of not only that we complete Christ, 
the completion of Christ also speaks of our role in the eternal state. What will we be in the eternal state? Well, we're going to be the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That means that whatever his role is, our role is that same role. We have the same role as the head. We com- if we're completing him, we're part of who he is. And there could be much more we, we could talk about there with respect to the eternal purpose. Point C, though many, we though many form one body. <clears throat> just as the body analogy, uh, just as in the body analogy, proper function takes diversity, all working together for one purpose. But this must be done in its proper order. So if, if whenever we start talking about many, we could run into trouble. Look, all you got to do is look at social media. And you got all of these people who are now able to speak on social media. But are we all talking about the same thing? No. Uh, and we don't have to talk about uh, all the different subjects. I'm only talking about Christians on social media. And when they talk, are they all talking about the? No, they're not all talking about the same thing. So in that case, since there is no authority over them, really there, sh- there is, but, but there's no authority. People say whatever they want, and they don't care. They don't have rules or standards, and it becomes a problem. You just hear so many different voices out there. But <clears throat> just as the body analogy, right, the body functions all, there are many different parts of the human body, but we all have one purpose. All these different parts, not we all, but the body itself has one function. And when the body does not function properly, when, and there are disorders in the body, there are diseases that cause the, you, your head may be one thing, but the body may do something else. Your body does not function according to the head, and it usually does not look very well. It does not bode very well. So in those cases, <clears throat> there's dysfunction. But for the body to function properly, we kind of take that for granted. We get up and we want a glass of water, we go over there and get a glass of water. We want to go somewhere, we get ourselves ready and we go. And the body cooperates. Every part of the body contributing, whether it's the legs, the feet, the toes, on and on. In the same way, the spiritual body is supposed to function like that. So <clears throat> it takes that diversity for the spiritual body. And that's why the body analogy and the gifts and all of the enablement works. Because of the f- different functions in Christ's body, the spiritual body. And how all of those functions are together for one purpose. But for that to be and there not to be disorder and dysfunction, this must be done in its proper order. Yeah, there's an order. If we don't have order, we will have chaos, just like we talked about social media. This is the proper order. First, one is first, we must grow up in Christ, all of us. And that's Romans 12, 2. I'm going to look at 12, 2. Uh, you might say, oh, okay, we, we covered this. Yes, we have. This is a review. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed <clears throat> by the renewing of your mind. So this part here, I call, I call 12.2a. Everybody, I know everybody will not do this. I, I do recognize that. So just as we talked about the dysfunction in the body, Yeah, there's dysfunction in the body of Christ. But God's ideal for us is that we don't have this uh, dysfunction, but that we submit to the head and allow not only Christ, but the Spirit and the Father's plan to rule in our hearts. So this first part of it is we've got to grow up. Trans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when you think about that, 
there is a period where that's important for us. We God's not saying go out and you know change the world. He's telling you to learn the Father's eternal purpose. If you don't know what that is, you don't know what the goal is for the Father, you cannot contribute to him. You can't help him. And if, if you have a job and a person doesn't want to learn what that job is, they can't help you do the job. And it goes for so many, it's kind of very common to think of it that way, but when it comes to the spiritual life, and people do not learn what the Father's plan is. And this is unique to say this because we got a new plan that's revealed that it was hidden from ages and past generations, from, I should just say, from Israel. <laughs> it was hidden, but now it's available. And people are not availing themselves of it. So this first one is big. It, uh, how are we going to know what our gifts are? How are we going to grow in grace if we don't have an end? If we're just like Jack and the Beanstalk, you know, this thing just keeps growing, growing, growing. No, we're growing to a point, right? To, to where God can say, oh, well, they know the plan. They're grown up. They're adults in the spiritual life. That's interesting because even if you think you know what your spiritual gift is, if you haven't grown up, and you probably, even if it's manifesting in some way, and you say, oh, well, I'm, I got a, a really good knack for this or that. Unless you know what the plan is, you can't know the proper function of the gift. You can't contribute properly. So we need this time to stop and look at, you know, this part of the, spiritual life that has to do with learning. You're a student and you got to learn. You got to taking notes. You got to you got to do whatever you got to do to to amass this information of what is the father up to? What's he doing? Why are we here? What are we doing here? If we don't if we don't have that, if we don't master that. We certainly, as I said, can't contribute to it. We can't be helpful. That's for sure. So that's the first. All of us. Not some of us. And we already read that in Ephesians. God, God gives these communication gifts. And the pastor-teacher gift is so that the body of Christ may be built up. And that we might come, all of us, into unity of knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. It's Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Become mature. God is expecting that we assimilate that knowledge. I mean, you, you look in Hebrews chapter 5 and you see that there were those believers there who, he says, by this time, you ought to be teachers. But you know, you need someone to teach you all over again the very basic truths. You need milk and not solid food. These were believers who were there, they were learning, but they stopped for some reason. They were distracted from the spiritual life. And they didn't grow. And, and he says you ought to have been teachers. Now he's not saying every one of them had the gift of teacher. But you know what? Once you grow to maturity and you, you learn the spiritual life, you become an adult in your understanding, then you are able to help others in terms of teaching. You'll be a, your mind is transformed. You'll be able to aid those who also need that transformation. So it's important. This first point, man, if you only got to this point and didn't get anywhere else, fine. Because now you know what the plan is. You know what God's, why he's got you here. You know why he has called you out of this world. And in Christ. We ought to talk more about point one. I hated to leave it. I think we spent three weeks on it or four. I don't know. It's important. Point two only then, this is, a, this is still in 12.2. This is why this verse was so key. Only then can we understand the Father's overall purpose. And the text actually says, once you stop being conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
Yeah. Only that. You don't want to put the cart before the horse. You don't want to think, oh, you know, I'm saved, but I got the gift of whatever. What's popular today? Oh, pastor, teacher. I got the gift of pastor, teacher. And, I, and not only do I have them, my wife has two. We're going to be a ministry team going out together. And have you gone through the training? Do you know what the Father's plan is? Do you, do you understand that? Uh, that's, this is why it's important to know the overall purpose. It's logical in, in the, our natural lives. It should be common sense for our spiritual life that we grow up first, but it's not, unfortunately. How much time do we need to grow up? How much time do we need to assimilate this information to, to have our minds transformed? As much time as it takes. That's how much. I don't care if it takes two years, one year, five years, 10, 20, 40, 50, however many years it takes, however many years God allows you to continue to be here, just like those Hebrew Christians who should have known, but they did not. It's up to God, because this is his purpose that's going on in the world, and you, as a believer in Christ, refuse to contribute to it. Now, you'll never lose your salvation, because salvation is by grace. But it will impact what happens at the judgment seat of Christ when rewards are distributed. Point three. Point three. Next, we can discover the gifting of the Spirit given to each of us. And that's 12.3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself and with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, once you get to that point where you understand the Father's plan, guess what is also becoming now available to you? How you contribute to the Father's plan. How you can contribute. Your mind is even open to now new vistas, new reality, new spiritual realities that you didn't know before just because you grew up. If you only thought about gifting in terms of what your sin nature and your lusts and your desires were, then you would end up a Corinthian or like the Corinthians. That's how they, they handled it. They didn't grow up. Paul said, how do I know they didn't grow up? He said they were babies in 1 Corinthians 3.1. He says, so I wanted to address you as, as spiritual, but I couldn't. What were you? Simply, we are babes in Christ. They were in Christ, but the babes they're used is not baby on the mother's breast. It's babe, a baby who should know better by now. He says, I gave you milk and I wanted to give you solid food, but you weren't ready for it. <laughs> they were interesting. Can you imagine if God told you that and you've been saved for 20 years, 30 years? God says, I wanted to give you deeper things, but you weren't ready. That's, that's not the normal spiritual maturation process. That's your will causing the dysfunction. Hence the word, napias. What, are, what is napias? Tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the cunning and craftiness of men who lie and wait to deceive. Ephesians 4. That's what it looks like. That's what social media looks like. <laughs> when you go on there and you look look under Christian, and my goodness, boy, it begins to flow. No standards. Whatever is on their minds, let it flow. And this is terrible. Now, I'm not saying there's no good people on social media. That would be terrible to say. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that everything else is on there. That's for sure. Everything else is on there. Point D, let's keep moving. Form one body. We, though many, form one body. The true condition of the church is through this collaboration. That's the true function of the church, is through this collaboration. That one body collaboration, it was designed to work just this way. Every part contributes to that one eternal purpose. Think about that. 
Every part of, of your body contributes to that one purpose. And so it is with the spiritual body. God designed it that way. He designed the body of Christ so that each part would have a role to play. Each part would have a function, an important function. We don't want to do without any. And this is interesting why we, we, we talk about, oh, well, tonsils, you don't need them. Uh, you don't, spleen, you don't need that. Or, or there are other body parts that they, can you imagine, oh, the pinky, what do you use that for? Do you ever use it? I mean, you don't need it, cut it off. It would be crazy to think like that. God gave us this, we need it. Don't cut it off. If, if you don't have to, if you have to, that's one thing. But if you don't have to, keep it. Because every part is necessary. And we're not talking about <coughs> the body that has been ravaged by sin. We're talking about the spiritual body that's under the supervision of God, the Holy Spirit. Point E. <laughs> we must develop this mindset. <clears throat> We must develop this mindset. Or we may overly value or undervalue the gifts of others differently than God does. <clears throat> God sees in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, let's look at what he says. 1 Corinthians 12. <coughs> oh, I'm coughing tonight, sorry. <clears throat> 12, 18. It says, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, <clears throat> every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So notice who is orchestrating <clears throat> the dis distribution of the spiritual gifts. It's God. And so the reason why he does this is because He's looking at the overall function of the body in the world. The body of Christ, that is. Us. What we're doing here on the ground. <clears throat> there is, is a supernatural, spiritual function going on. You may not recognize it. That's why God is telling you, you need to be grown up. You need to be looking at this from an adult perspective. <clears throat> not a child perspective. So, <clears throat> it's, I'm sorry, my throat is just rough tonight. So God values each gift because he knows why he placed it there and he knows what the body function is. We may look, if we don't understand that overall purpose, what are we going to do? We're going to say, oh, just like the Corinthians did. Well, what, I, I just want to be an eye. I just want to be an ear. I just want to be... A nose, because those are prominent features. That's what I want to be. Without an understanding of how all of the body parts function together and are necessary. And if we wonder, well, why did I get this gift? Well, God put each part in the body. And none can say they don't need the other. None can say that. It would be ridiculous. <clears throat> so, we can't. Look at gifts as, as we did something. We didn't do it. God, the Holy Spirit, gave it to us. The, the, the entire function of the gifts. And then he empowers us to be able to use them. So it's not human effort. God provides all of that. Point F. We can see perfect unity of purpose here in these three verses. Let's look at this perfect unity. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. <clears throat> Here it is, 1 Corinthians 12, 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There it is. So don't look at one gift as, well, that's coming from somewhere. But no, it's the Spirit of God who distributes the gifts. <clears throat> that's the Spirit. Then let's look at five. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. So we may serve in one way because of our spiritual gift. <clears throat> another may serve in another way because of the spiritual gift they have been given. But don't look at each service as one service is less than another. They, they are both serving the same Lord. So now we got the, Father, we got the, the Spirit, 
and we got Christ. Now look at five, look at uh, that was five, six. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. There it is, and I you can attribute that to the plan, the overall plan of God the Father. That is what they are effecting, the plan, the eternal purpose of the Father. Now, of course, the eternal purpose of the Father is expressed to us in the mind of Christ, the Lord, and through the distribution of the Holy Spirit, the gifts, these unique gifts. And we're talking about how the Father is able to manifest who Christ is, what his eternal purpose is in the world. All right, we just got a few things uh, where we'll cover. I think we well, we, we can do it. <clears throat> we can do it. And that was point F. Point number three. And each member belongs to all the others. So I looked at this, and it was a little bit squirrely in the Greek, but I thought it would be helpful to look at some translations so that we can best understand what is being said there. So CEV, the CEV, what is that anyway? Uh, the CEV is the Contemporary English Version. It says, <clears throat> but we each are part of the body of Christ as well as part of one another. I like the way it says here, just like it says, each member belongs to all the others. Well, what it's saying is what we do contributes to each other. I guess you could look at it just like we said with the body, right? If if my finger is twitching, <clears throat> I'm not going to take a hammer and put it on and slam my finger. No, because I care about that. I know, even if the, the finger is not functioning properly, I don't want to cut it off. It, it is a contributing part of what I need as for my function. Every spiritual gift is a contributing part of what the Father needs for his eternal purpose in this world. It, it is important. <clears throat> and that's what that, and each member belongs to all the others. Or, but to each, are, but we, we each individually are part of the body of Christ, as well as part of one another. ASB, Authorized Standard Version. <clears throat> and severally, which means individually, members one of another. So each one of us, are we belong to each other in that sense, in the sense that we all contribute to each other. So since that is so, we are members together of one another. We, we are one in that sense. Let's keep going. BBE. What is BBE? I'll give you all these translations. This is the Bible in basic English. We are and are dependent on one another. That's a nice, another good way to say it. Each, this is, there, there, there's, and I will talk about the interdependency of each of us with each other. <clears throat> we need each other. We can't function alone. So we're dependent on one another. I like the way they said that. And the NASB, and individually members one of another. There is the, the interdependency that we, we, we just talked about. I think I, did I already use? Yeah, oh no, okay. So the ESV, <clears throat> and individually members one of another. So. Hopefully, we understand that a little better based on some of the ways it was translated. Point B, our personal growth is where we must learn for ourselves. Listen, you, you can't look around when it comes to growing up. I mean, of course, you want others to grow up with you. And when we talk about growing up in the spiritual life, I'm not talking about time and grade. A person will say, well, how long have you been a Christian? Well, I've been here. Christian for 20 years now, and I've been serving on the deacon board for that long, right? So most people would say, yeah, that person's experienced in Christianity, you know. But that's what it should be, <clears throat> but the way we can determine if people are grown up is 
how well they understand the deep things of God. What are the deep things of God? The eternal, the Father's eternal purpose. I'm sound like a broken record here. A broken digital record, because we don't we don't use records anymore. But what, how we can determine, we can now look at what spiritual growth is. We can quantify it because we can say what it is. We know the direction of it. We know what it what what it means to be spiritually adept. And and we can look at it. And we don't judge people by it because if a person doesn't understand it, then it is our objective if we have opportunity to teach them, to show them the way. That's important. But that is what like it says that we all need to be stop being conformed to this world, its culture and all the different things going on in this world, but be transformed, transcend that by being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So so personal growth is where we learn for ourselves, but our success is dependent on other members. And that word members is melos, a limb, a part of the body. Again, it's we say members like it's members of a lodge or something, but no, that's not it. It's literally a body part. Yeah, how one body part functions with respect to others. So that's success. If if the church is functioning with that success, where each member understands their a relationship to the other members and the Father's eternal purpose, obviously first, was then that's success. That's what that means. Um, <clears throat> point C, we must always be reminded that success is not related to our overall purpose. Notice, our overall purpose. Most people think that's what success is. If they're successful in the spiritual life, if they've grown what they consider, they understand the Father's eternal purpose, that's good enough for them. But it's not good enough for the Father. Even though he's going to say, yes, that's great. I'm glad you got there. You did what you were supposed to do. But we also have to have a more of a community mindset where it's not just us. And, God, and guess what? We need the others in our spiritual growth. We need that interaction, that collaboration for our spiritual growth. So our success, that success is not related to our overall purpose, like what we think is important. Like, oh, what, what do you uh, pretend to do? What are you trying to make of yourself? What do you want to do in this world for yourself? That's your overall purpose. But what we are learning is the Father's eternal purpose. And if we get that, in 2 Corinthians 5.10, we will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ, which shows God's approval. That is what he wants. We will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. Point D. While there is clearly diversity in the body, yes, we're not all the same, there is an interdependence among the members that takes place under the supervision or influence of the Spirit. So it's not just random. Each part in the body, once they understand that eternal purpose, they're all functioning and contributing toward that purpose. If you're not, you're resisting the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's plain. Let's just say it. You're resisting the influence of the Holy Spirit if you're not understanding what the plan is and if you're not contributing to the body of Christ, the Father's eternal purpose. You're not functioning according to what God would have, what his ideal would be for the church. And so we have supervision. It's not like, well, we get together and we do whatever the consensus is. What everybody thinks. No, God, the Holy Spirit's on the ground here. And he's here to tell us how and what the Father's plan is and how we are to execute that plan. It's not just up to us. Point E, it's a scripture, 1 Peter 4, 10. Each of you 
should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. There it is. That's, that's a community mindset. This is the body of Christ to serve others as faithful stewards. Like you have a responsibility. When God has blessed you or graced you out, it demands responsibility. You, it's not just, wow, throwing, throwing my hands up in the air and waving them like I don't care. It is responsibility. God expects that you now understand and he, he wants to hold you responsible. That's why there's a judgment. Right? Otherwise, he would say, okay, come on in. Now, you got saved. There wasn't any standards for salvation. Didn't need it. There weren't any expectations. But now, faithful stewards wow, of God's grace and its various forms, yeah, there's some expectation on God's part for the body of Christ. Point F. And we're closing with this thought, so we'll get to the, see if we can get to the questions. Is that how you think about it? It's a question. I hope so. These are directional things that we're talking about, not general things. These are specifics. Having this knowledge will assist you to understand and discover your gift. You would not even understand what your gift is for if you don't understand these things. So certainly you wouldn't be able to know what your gift is if you don't even know what the Father's eternal purpose is. Ho hopefully that's spiritual common sense. We're going to stop at this point and we're going to open the floor for a Q&A. See, there may be questions. Let's throw it out there and see if there are any. The floor is open. information it does not mean you will do it or want to do it it's up to you and first of all you got to come to know it some people will reject it at that point they're like oh, I don't need to know that that's not interesting my church doesn't teach that you know and the idea is they have a form of devotion and love but really if God the Holy Spirit is here and he is impressing upon each believer, because he is not impressing this upon unbelievers. <laughs> you have to be saved first. Now, of course, people, 
they fall off when it comes to salvation because they've linked salvation to this life in this in the sense that they're not saved unless they do these things that's not so you're saved and then you are given the opportunity to live the christian way of life you're given that as an opportunity it is optional to live the christian way of life people don't like me to say that because they think that i don't care if they do or not that's not what i'm saying at all i care i want you to grow up in christ but i do recognize that it is optional and i think that even says more when we talk about rewards God's not giving rewards to people who have not used their options properly to, to glorify Him. It's, it's so I there is a facade of love and concern and devotion and worship and a lot we can keep going on, but if if we're not worshiping according to the Spirit, we we're dead in our transgressions and sins in which we used to live. Right, that's where the knowledge we are coming from. Right? That's what we have as unbelievers, and we carry that into the spiritual life. So what is that? Religion. We just carry religion into the spiritual life and think that we're being devoted to God and love God when we don't care what God has to say about it. We don't care what's in God's mind. We just want to do what pleases us, not what pleases Him. So, we, so this is why I'm saying... Yeah, there are people who look very devoted, very pious, very uh, committed to religion. And on the other hand, there are people, like we saw the example of the Apostle Paul, he says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's certainly not about me, because I'm dead. Dead to the law. For a Pharisee to say he's dead to the law? Yeah, amazing. So when you think about that, it's, it's not about us. It's about the Father's eternal purpose, which is the new age, which dispensation we're in. So if you neglect that, if you refuse that, then your Christian service, whatever it was, will not be acceptable to God. And this is why we have to even understand, like when we talk about the Spirit, People talk about their influence by the Spirit, and they and that umbrella of being influenced by the Spirit is large. It covers a whole lot of stuff that's not the Father's eternal purpose. That's what God's doing right now. That's what He's trying to do, and He's trying to do that in us. Will we allow Him to do it or not? Will we resist, just like Israel resisted their calling? Will we resist our calling? Like that? Will we generationally resist our calling? Well, well my, um, give me that old-time religion. If it's good enough for grandma, it's good enough for me. Well, is that how we're going to handle it? So no, I, I don't accept people, their piousness. They don't care about truth. They don't care about the new age. They don't care about the ministry of the Spirit. They don't care about the mind of Christ. They don't care about the Father's eternal purpose. So what do we do? Only thing we can do is we're in a position to help them understand. That's it. We, that's all we can do. But to the extent that they're not, well, whatever devotion they have is religious. It's religious. Because they're not following the spirit of truth. And no one who is serving the Lord is doing it in their own power. It is through the power of the Spirit. I want to read one point since you mentioned this. <laughs> this is an video. <laughs> Looking for opportunities to talk. And I got all this. I have the floor, so you guys interrupt me if you want. I'm good. But uh, I'm going to read. This is 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, uh, 1 Peter 4. Here, it's 10 and 11. We already read this one earlier in 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God, God's grace in its various forms. Now watch this. If anyone speaks, they should do it. They should do so as one who speaks 
the very words of God. Wow, that is clear. Like, God's direction is my direction. I don't have to ask. It is. If anyone serves, they should do it, do so with the strength God provides. See, we can't serve on our own. We have to serve with the strength God provides. And God's not providing strength for religion and false pursuits and not understanding that the things that don't contribute to the Father's eternal purpose. He's for that. God the Holy Spirit is for that. Now watch this last phrase. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and the power. Notice, glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Power in the spiritual life. The glory in the spiritual life is to him. We don't have the power to glorify God. God has to provide that power for us. And even when Paul says, to this end I strenuously work with all his power which so which works in me, right? That's Colossians. Everywhere you read it, Paul says, I worked harder than the other ones, other apostles, but it wasn't me. It was the grace of God that was in me, right? He, he, the power is not from us. It is the motivation of the Holy Spirit. To that end, we work. I'll pause, Bill. See if you have any follow-ups. Yeah, you're on point. I was just going to say that, you know, we we have a confidence that gives us a boldness to speak, whereas uh, so many people, they just, they don't speak up, they don't speak out. Uh, I don't know if it's because of their uncertainty of uh, their, their knowledge about God or, or just shyness, but um, when we speak, we, we feel as though we have, uh, uh, I would just say, uh, the, the engine, which is God, because we feel like it's him speaking, not even us, if we're speaking words that are, are, are true and correct. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. In fact, if I go back to Romans 12, 1, it says at the end, this is your true and proper worship. And the reason why people don't have uh, the mind of Christ to speak is because they haven't done this of what we talked about in this order. And where it says they are not to conform to the pattern of this world. There are things we got to let go. We got to learn to train our minds differently so that we understand the Father's eternal purpose. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Only then can you be able to test and approve what God's will is. If you don't know what it is, then you won't be able to test and approve what it is. And he's given us these verses to tell us the proper direction for us who are in Christ, the body of Christ. This is, so there's no replacement for this. There is no substituting this. You can't manufacture this. This either you allowed your mind to be transformed or you don't. If you know what the Father's eternal purpose is, you didn't learn that by mistake. You didn't just stumble upon that. God the Holy Spirit had to teach you that. The only source of teaching is God the Holy Spirit from that. That's it. It says you can't get this any other way. So if you don't have it, why don't you have it? If you don't know what dispensations are, the mystery and all that stuff, why? It's prominent in the scriptures. <laughs> Very prominent, is it not? How did you miss it? You didn't miss it. You rejected it. So let's call it what it is. Now, this is not bad. Listen, I rejected it plenty of times. I've, re- I've been in the place of rejection. It's not a bad thing. We know when we're confronted with what God has shown us that other people have that opportunity. We have that opportunity. So remember we talk about, right, if it's, not, it's okay to be wrong because now we know what's right. 
if you weren't wrong, you wouldn't. You you would have been smug and confident in your what you were saying. But obviously, if it the Bible rebukes you or corrects you, then we have opportunity to conform, right? Like I told you, this is optional. I I understand that it's optional. I'm not saying there are no consequences for not growing up in Christ. There are. But the consequences will never get to the point where you lose your salvation. That's not even on the table. So it's optional. Some people will want to do it and some people will not. It's just like salvation. When presented to the masses, some people will believe in Christ. Some people will choose not to. Each each one is a choice. And we have free will. That is what it's about. That we express that free will. Follow God. If you haven't followed God in salvation, then you certainly can't follow him in the option to live according to the Father's plan. You certainly can't. So your first step is to follow God in salvation by grace, his way. And then once you do that, you're able then to move forward with the Father and the and how do we do that? The Holy Spirit is, he's the one who's in control. He manages what's on the ground here. Unless we say, well, the Holy Spirit is not doing a great job. He's just not doing a good job. I'm not going to say that. I won't say that. Because I can see that he's where he's led me. If he led me, then wow, he could certainly, and I was a long way away. I wasn't close. If he led me, he could lead others the same way. That's his job, after all. Why won't he do his job? Because we, re- we hinder him from doing his job. We grieve the Spirit. We resist the Spirit. I'm going to stop. Closing thoughts, anyone? We want to close. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father. We are so grateful for your grace, your sovereignty, your presence here on earth where we are able to function according to your purposes. It's a humbling experience to have our minds transformed. What we thought, all the things that we envisioned about our lives and what life was all about you have revealed these things to us and now it is our objective to orient to them to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Father before we close we just want to remember those who are sick among us those we called them out earlier for those who are in the hearts of all the believers that are here And also, Father, we pray that you would continue to challenge us with the wisdom that was destined for our glory before time began. All of this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.